Welcome to Startup Stories, where we go behind the scenes of some of the most interesting and innovative tech startups in the world. Each episode will bring you in-depth interviews with entrepreneurs and business leaders, sharing their personal stories on success, failure, and everything in between. So whether you're an entrepreneur yourself or someone that's just generally interested in the world of startups, then Startup Stories is the perfect place for you to gain insight and inspiration into some of the most exciting players in the game. So sit back, relax, and join us on a journey of Startup Stories. Hi, Christian. Thanks for joining me on the Startup Stories podcast. Great to have you here. Hi, John. Uh, Pleasure being here with you. Glad to hear it. So for the audience, can you just give them a a bit of context into who you are? Sure. My name is Christian. I'm currently the CEO of Blocktrade, founding partner and general partner of Smape Capital. I'm also a founding partner of Dyke and have been 15 years in traditional finance, banking and private equity, but am also already for eight years in um, in blockchain, crypto, digital assets, because I very much think this is a great and very interesting and compelling part of the financial future of all of us, uh, or the, the infrastructure bone of it and uh, that's why i also moved moved into that with uh, so much passion and commitment and especially the last two and a half years and yeah here i am i think i have a very like large uh, background in all kinds of traditional elements always enriched with a lot of new innovative tools stuff people like i was always traveling all around the world that's my passion next to Crypto and finance is, is definitely uh, traveling. I traveled to more than 100 countries already and happy to be here and, and to tell you everything you want to know about myself or the businesses I'm, I'm leading or co-leading. Yeah. Thank you very much. What do I need to know about you that will allow me to understand why you do what you do? I was always a very like driven, intrinsically driven person yeah, for success, for getting things uh, done and, and moving things. I think this was always like a, an inner drive that carried a lot of things for me uh, or carried me. And I mean, I, I did a lot of team sports. I'm still doing team sports. I still play football in a team. And I think this is, was always very good and interesting to lose very often to together with a team and to win as well quite often and to be together with people of all kinds of backgrounds in a lot of situations so not just while playing football or in school or at university or while traveling but in general so this always i think this is what i am and a little bit what was driving me to be so motivated to achieve things yeah i mean i think it's a it's a mix you you can't analyze 100% how this came together or how how one is built and what built someone. That's also the exciting part about uh, being a human. But um, yeah, this, these are some elements, I think, that built me. Yeah. And most people would say that they're a product of their environment or their early influences. And I'd love to run it back to, let's say, your earliest memory that you can remember from your your childhood take me back to there what was life like for you from your earliest memory oh it was very a very nice childhood so um nice parents very nice environment in austria close to salzburg yeah a bit like i think always a bit challenged my father was one of the first 
people going to university in this this little village I lived in. And probably that's why I also like I was always a little bit flagged by that and I always had to counter like people with a little bit different uh, backgrounds, uh, being it uh, a farmer boys or anything like that. And I still played football with them, was challenged by them. And th I think these are like my childhood memories, like always being challenged. And I was I was definitely not an easy, easy person as well as a as a child or teenager. So I was also challenging people all the time. So I think this, these are my earlier childhood memories that are also like still present <laughs> everywhere what I do. So I also still be, I'm being challenged and I like that. So I think this also shapes the companies I work with or I'm working for. And this also shape, still shapes me. So, but I'm also challenging people a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, I think, I hope in a, very much positive way, mostly, but yeah, this definitely are early childhood memories that come to my mind. Yeah, being challenged and challenging people. What impact did your parents have on you? Quite a big impact in terms of like how curious I, I was for the world. Yeah. So very early on, we did a lot of like not traveling in the sense of like international traveling, but like moving around and uh, like also not moving around in terms of moving houses, but like moving around in Austria in the, in the mountains, skiing, doing all kinds of outdoor activities uh, together. And um, I think this was very beneficial and showed me that there's, that there are a lot more interesting uh, parts of the world. In the same time, I think my father, especially also like, uh, he's a very smart, like a mathematics guy. Uh, so I was very much numbers driven early on, very interested in numbers and yeah, also a little bit in storytelling and yeah, this, this kind of definitely shaped it. Yeah. And, um, so they had a, they had a very, very positive Im impact, I think on, on myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you think even from a young age, there was an element to your drive to always want to achieve and do things? Do you think it may have stemmed from always wanting to impress your father? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to impress him. I'm just sometimes, I think, trying to convince him that what I'm doing is probably the right thing because I am still getting challenged uh, by him. I mean, imagine 75 year old one not really loving his mobile phone, hearing about Bitcoin and that <clears throat> his son having a great career in, in traditional finance, uh, moving fully into something which is flagged by normal newspapers as fraudulent and 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 uh, used by criminals is definitely not something where you don't get challenged but that's also something you anyway used to if you work in this industry so but coming back to your question no i mean i think it's not like uh like impressing it's more like yeah i don't know convincing and um yeah but i i, I i'm not sure if i felt like this big pressure, I had more pressure in school to successfully accomplish school while being a teenager or like being a, a, an early grown up and still uh, and, and already having too many things in the head, which were conflicting with just accomplishing school in a normal way. I think this was more where I, I needed to fulfill the duty of uh, finishing school yeah, for him. Yeah, that's really interesting because it's always nice to try and understand the root behind why you want to be driven why you want to succeed why you want to fulfill your potential it's always really interesting to try and work out why i think it's elements you know and i think it's very much intrinsically driven 
intrinsic drive, I think this this develops over years. It's not mm -hmm. something I think you can mainly refer to to single elements in the past or like to to a person. I think it's a it's a development over years and uh, depending on your environment, on yourself, how things are developed. And definitely, you know, this comes back to sports also as well. Some always speak about talent, something which is there from the beginning. I doubt this very much. I mean, maybe there's something there from the beginning, but the rest is purely mainly shaped by your environment. Yeah. So this is definitely how things are shaping for someone. Yeah. From a personality and environment perspective, environmental perspective. And your mindset as well. I mean, you hear a lot of the uh, the best athletes in the world, the ones that have stayed at the top, not just got to the top, but stayed at the top. Almost all of them say it's not their talent, it's their mindset that keeps them there. And we've seen many gifted athletes over the years who have dropped off the bandwagon simply because they didn't have the right mindset. And I think that's uh, something to be said about almost everything in life as well yeah definitely a mindset is yeah but it's very hard to determine what is the reason for your mindset mm -hmm. for your cultural setting for your motivation yeah? yeah i mean maybe there is for some people there's one element or one like piece in their history but i, f I think it's not for me yeah I, there is like a accumulation of a lot of things happening yeah yeah absolutely so besides your parents growing up was there ever a pivotal moment in your life that changed everything and shaped the person that you are today? Uh, there were so many. I succeeded with teams a lot. I lost a lot. That's what I already said. And yeah. I like I built up like a student party and we succeeded a lot with the student party. And these these successes with teams, I think this these are like these continuous successes and also losses or setbacks. These are things that uh, uh, shaping it a lot i mean i think one maybe when i did a a, a first major reflection on on myself when, when i finished my first studies i thought about what could what could have been a pivotal element where i would have taken maybe a different turn and this would, would have been maybe in, in my like in my high school times you know like i think i was always very smart until i was 12, 13, I really motivated and I had the best grades. And then things turned and I had other things in, in my mind as well. And there was some time in high school where uh, one of my teachers definitely carried me a little bit and allowed me to not like repeat the class. Uh, let's put it that way. And this was maybe one of the pivotal points in time. But there are several more, you know, like it's um, so many. Yeah, I mean, I give you an example, a funny one. I was having an internship. So when I was running the student party as the chairman and being the vice chairman of the Austrian Students Union in Salzburg, I was also running the student newspaper. So I, I did an internship at, while I was studying law and economics, I didn't, I was very much interested in media and TV channels and stuff like that as well. So I did an internship as, at an Austrian TV channel as an intern in their, like how they say in the editor's department, very much being like, like one month doing all the stuff, interviewing the chancellor and stuff like that. Really crazy stuff what I was allowed to do. And then on the second day of this internship, I was going out with two colleagues and uh, one of them said, I mean, you are, uh, we like you to, to be with us. You are fun and uh, you're doing great stuff, what we can say after two days. But you study law and economics. You should work for my uh, husband. Uh, he's working for PwC at, and I mean, it's more natural for you with your education that you work there. And I said, 
Yeah, I mean, why not? I'm eager to meet him. And, you know, there I met so many friends playing football for the PwC Austria team, for example, which shaped my friend's life and also like community network. So it's, it's I think, coming back to your question, it's a lot of this for me, like a lot of things that shaped me and a lot of like this pivotal elements or like timestamps. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that shaped, I think, the storyline. Yeah, I like that little checkpoints. I think what's really important is that you never shy away of a challenge. Yeah, and if someone like put something in front of you, and it seems to be quite interesting, look at it, or not just look at it and say, yeah, maybe I do it. Like say, okay, I have a look, and and I probably do it, and I take this opportunity, and then I I see where this opportunity takes me. I rarely rejected an opportunity or did not look very closely at it, and. If there was a challenge, it was me like not waiting till others stepped back. It was always me taking one step ahead and, and saying, hey, I'm here. I'll do it. Yeah. And I'll do it a with A, B, C, D, E, yeah, with this thing, with these topics. Yeah. So I think these things led to these pivotal moments, you know, because I would have never run the student part if I wouldn't have said, like, I will do it. Or like, I would never have. Uh, gone to this uh, internship at the TV station if I wouldn't have proactively written to them and so on and so forth. So it's there are some elements, uh, there are mostly elements you can influence in a positive way and only a few ones you can't where you are dependent on some other people and probably the school teacher was one where I was not actively at the time influencing my positive future but he, he saw probably something and let me carry and, and carried me a little bit uh, or let me like uh, pass the classes a little bit easier than maybe I was I should have uh, gone through yeah no it's a really good point you made and when it comes to trying challenges I've always said uh, feel the fear and do it anyway often it's never as bad as what it seemed and like you said they built you to the you know come to those pivotal moments that changed you so I 100% agree with you there um, okay so you know, you've gone through your schooling life, you told me about that. And once you were out there in the big wide world, what was your first ever job? My first ever job was working in a, uh, in a wholesale market from 5.30 in the morning until 2 p.m. And like commissioning the groceries for like, or the, the, like the big groceries for like retailers. Yeah. So this was my first ever job with 13 or, or with 14. I think once you are legally allowed more or less to, uh, to do this, I was, I was just trying to earn some money. Yeah? I was doing so many jobs. Like people, some friends of mine said like, is there a job you never did? I mean, like I was, I was also earning a lot of money during, while studying, you know, like I worked, I earned much more during studying than I earned when I started my career at PwC. Yeah. So my after student career, let's put it that way. Yeah. So I did all kinds. I was a night porter. I was a, like a waiter. I was set, a setup crew at Formula One races. Uh, I was doing so much stuff you can't see in my CV now because it would just, it would just explode and wouldn't be like relevant yeah. to any point relevant. But yeah, I, I did like all kinds of stuff I earned money for. And then, yeah. More or less after school, I started in a bank and during university, for sure, I, I started to focus and on, on relevant uh, jobs and uh, like also a little bit designing my CV back then. So I was already very much like aware that this is important. So also back then, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it sort of built you up for the real world when your first job working in the whole cell. What did that teach you? 
<laughs> that it's a tough world out there if you're not very well educated and go for higher goals, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't want to end up being one of the, one of the guys being in their mid forties working there. Um, I mean, this, this definitely showed me, I don't, I don't want to like work in a big freezer more or less sorting carrots from five o'clock in the morning, helping the, the truck drivers upload their, um, I'm not saying this is like a bad job. I just, for me, it was not, it was a motivation, like definitely motivation. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I, that's not my goal to being in my forties and earning just as much to more or less to survive a little bit more maybe. And yeah, I always had bigger goals and, and this was probably something that also led me, led me to that. But it also, like, as I said, I was, I was there as well, like with the normal, most normal people you can get, like in football, in a football club and, and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like you get all kinds of backgrounds and yeah, I mean, I think I, this definitely, I can deal with every kind of person, you know, for example, in the in the football club I'm playing, I think 80%, 90% don't know what I'm doing job-wise. I'm just there to play football and be a nice guy, but also still challenge people there, being challenged, yeah? But I want to be successful, I want to have fun, but like I am just myself there and I just want to be a football player there, yeah? And some people always think their jobs or their experience, everyone should be aware of that. And like, they need to put this in the face of so many people because they think this is what, what they are. Yeah. And that's definitely not the case. And I think that's a very important lesson. You also learn about like decades, I think. Yeah. 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 Not just from one, one of these jobs. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Your job should not define you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. Okay. So you've got this company you are now the CEO of Block Trade. You joined them uh, about a year and a half ago. They were founded in 2018. Talk to me about that transition because, you know, you're quite the serial entrepreneur. You've done many things in your life. But, you know, tell me, tell me about that moment when you joined Block Trade. How did it come about and why did you take that decision to join them? Yes, yeah, very good question. So, I mean... I had a really great career in traditional finance. I was working for a lot of banks and had a, like amazing salary. I worked for a few Austrian banks, then Cerberus, a, a US private equity fund, hired me back in 2018. And I was dealing with, as one of the representatives with Deutsche Bank and Commerce Bank and was leading the due diligence of a buy-side acquisition of, of NordLB and then ended up actually going to HSH Nordbank, formerly the biggest shipping lender, and only one out of four of the Cerberus guys doing the whole transformation of this big bank and building up uh, like uh, segments there. So I could have stayed there and or go somewhere else in other in really interesting positions and earn a lot of money. But on the other side, I mean, like I was getting more and more bored of traditional banking let's put it that way and like looking back more than 10 years i was the innovation manager of, of bank austria and i got in touch already with uh, a lot of digitization and saw all of the problems the traditional banks have i also uh, heard the first time about bitcoin and about like uh, distributed ledger technology and was fascinated about that and then i mean this grew over time you know like in 2017 i was building up because I was already investing and advising startups in the insurtech and fintech industry. 
And uh, the Austrian finance ministry knew that because I was leading their the finance and risk division of their bad bank uh, holding. And they knew that and they said, okay, can you set up with us this FinTech advisory board? And I said, yes, for sure. That sounds very interesting next to my traditional work. So I did this and I was in touch right away again with a lot of blockchain and fintech companies and from that time onwards or like from 2015 onwards i was very interested in reading just reading 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 every evening and every hour i had i was reading about just ledger technology and about blockchain yeah so i was so deeply fascinated of what this could do to finance that i always knew i i probably could end up in this ecosystem yeah and like then i co-founded the digital asset association austria with great minds i co-founded dyke which is an infrastructure company an investment company i co-founded this was all next to my banking jobs still yeah mm-hmm. i co-founded smell an investment vehicle for ourselves uh, and then we said okay we will build it up as a fund as a venture capital fund and then i already made the decision like two and a half years ago, okay, I want to get out of banking and really want to fully focus on distributed ledger technology on blockchain and, and digital assets. And then I was talking to like some big brands, uh, I'm not mentioning them now, but some big brands for senior, very senior positions, mainly with centralized exchanges, because this is more or less like, this is like a little bit similar to banking, but the centralized exchanges still are lacking a lot of banking, but regulators are coming in now and and are very much like trying to regulate or regulating this new industry. So the experience I have is very much relevant for this new industry, uh, especially when you have someone like me being very much interested and knowledgeable already about the, this new industry. Yeah? So that's why I was talking to these players. And at some point, I mean, I was talking really about board positions or VP positions there in these companies. At some point, some one of the block trade representatives, owners came around and said like, hey, what about block trade? And what about being the CEO of block trade? And I said like, block trade is not one of the biggest names. I'm also talking to others, maybe more interesting names out there. And then we discussed and discussed. And at some point I saw, okay, the most I can influence and shape is with block trade. You know, if I'm the CEO and there was also quite some funding there when I joined one and a half years ago. So it was not that I had to bootstrap it like from the very start. And like, uh, I mean, in the end, it was also a little bit of a transformation case the last one and a half years. But there was already something there which I could take over and complete. I, I knew I had I have to completely reshape it. And that's also what I did before. You know, I reshaped banks. Uh, I reshaped balance sheets, uh, portfolios and banks. Uh, I knew a lot about transformation. I knew a lot about how centralized exchanges ideally should look like, which challenges are coming for them. So I thought this is an amazing challenge and that's why I took it. But as so often, the challenge was even bigger than I expected after my due diligence. But yeah, you grow with every challenge, as we already mentioned. So, yeah, I, I loved the last one and a half years as strenuous and crazy as they were. But uh, it was a really very interesting and awesome ride the last one and a half years being the CEO of BlockTrade. Yeah? But this, this is what, how, how I came to BlockTrade. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say that's a perfect uh, scenario for you. As you said, you like challenges and you throw yourself in straight away. So I'm sure it's been one hell of a ride. So, you know, of course, as you mentioned before block trade, you've been transforming companies before that already. So I'm quite intrigued. What's the formula 
for identifying where a business is at and then for you to say this is how we're going to transform it walk me through in an overview of what you do yes very good question i think first of all is there are two important things right away yeah product market fit and team yeah and in general state of the organization yeah and for example with when i joined block trade product market fit was not really there uh, not at all so the exchange was was not like not at all close to top notch and the strategy of positioning it as a as an exchange for volume wouldn't have worked out that would definitely wouldn't have worked out because you have much better and competitors already much better positioned from a tech perspective plus the team initially when i took over was okay but but we needed i think only three people are left from the initial 15 oh, wow. 15 people team and now we are more than 50 so you can within one and a half years and you can imagine and we already went up to 70 before ftx uh, and then uh, cut it down again to below 50 now are growing again a little bit yeah so i think a transformation is like identifying okay where are we positioned at from a uh, product market fit perspective yeah is it the right way to go the company wants to go is the team the right way to carry this new or this this better version of the company and then it's about like uh, doing the right hiring the right people yeah? uh, and and guiding them and shaping the company in the right way with the right people we also made actually uh, quite some hiring failures last year so uh, also learned a lot again like that in principle not to rush things with hiring key people for very important positions because the mid mid-long term this destroys much more in the company from a culture perspective and from uh, how you can build up the company but yeah like this is i think product market fit and team is is always for a transformation case or like uh, when you want to shape something is definitely a, for me it's two of the most important things yeah yeah and the key thing i took away from there was as you say hiring the right people and you've made some bad hires, as you've mentioned before, maybe rushed a few things and there's only three people left from the beginning. So what have you learned from then to now as to how you make sure that you hire the right people? Yes, very good question. Yeah, it's it's not just the gut feeling that and the CV that should determine if you hire someone. It should be a lot of like conversations, a lot of like case studies actually you give to the person you you are about to hire this person should should talk to more than just yourself and to maybe one other person always talk to a bigger group of people so they get more feedback about about this person and you should always ask yourself like am i hiring the right profile for what i have in mind for the company or for the state of the company and how the company uh, is developing or should develop the next few months yeah so this is i think what we've learned what i've learned the most yeah. and uh, it still doesn't prevent that you you probably hire one or the other wrong person but it definitely minimizes the the risk of yeah yeah i mean i'm just like right now as well in such a situation where one key employee is about to reduce his commitment and I also need to find some kind of a solution while we are already transforming into another state of the company. Yeah, So it's a, um, 
I'm again in a in a very interesting situation where you should not rush things, but you also don't have too much time. But we're definitely in a very different state than a year ago, like from uh, like an overall team composition. And uh, so, yeah. Amazing. I wanted to run it back to the interview process of, as you say, speaking to more than just one person. Let's just say you were interviewing someone, you really liked them, but then you got them to speak with the potential team that they would be joining. If the team didn't like them, didn't have, didn't get a good vibe from that individual, but you liked them, would you trust what the team feel? Depends on how many of the people I think this person talked to and yeah, I got some like, gave some negative feedback, but in general, yes. So I think we hired one very smart, very humble guy last year, for example. There I got, I think, one semi-negative feedback, um, mainly about like, do we really need this person now? Yeah, in this way. And isn't it too much for our current organization? And in the end, this person then never found his position uh, in the company, you know? And yeah, so you, I think you always need to have already a plan in mind when you're hiring, yeah? Only because you see a great profile, um, you should not necessarily hire a great profile just because of the profile, but because you really need this profile, yeah? Yeah, I'm definitely much more like listening to to more people when it comes to hiring uh, key people, yeah? Yeah. The process overall was a lot more professionalized over the last six to, to 10 months uh, within our company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what has been the hardest thing about your transformation so far with BlockTrade? The hardest thing, too many construction sites at, at once. And uh, we're speaking about like team setup, tech setup, regulatory setup, partnership setup, so banks and so on and so forth, while running out of money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can't imagine how hard my December, January was so hard and difficult seeing like, you knowing when, when you're running out of money and having a lot of team troubles, having a lot of regulatory hurdles in front of you, which are, seem like to be impossible to pass and having a shitty pro, a still shitty product and knowing you not have enough partners for a fallback solution, especially from a banking perspective for us. So it was like really overwhelming. And yeah, I mean, like I was in a lot of really crazy and overwhelming situations, but this was definitely one of the hardest ones. And um, yeah, also brought me to the brink of like, wow, this is like too much, yeah. But in the end, like, I mean, like I had a couple of these steel baths, you know, over the last 10 years, I think. And in the end, this, this makes you so, like, how do you say, so much resistant. Your resistance, or you're like, you're getting used to it to some extent. And you're like, you're getting stronger and stronger with situations like that. But yeah, like, there was a, a accumulation of, of impossible things. Like, I identified at the beginning of this year five, five pain points. And now we solved four out of five. And the fifth one is also more or less solved. It's just not implemented. So yeah, yeah, we had an amazing six months, like really amazing. Yeah. I mean, the team worked amazingly hard. We made a lot of right decisions or almost only right decisions. And you always need a little bit of luck. Yeah. That's just the, 
the bloody truth. Yeah. So you can work very hard. You can make the right decisions. But if you're also not lucky in some points, it also won't work out. And for us, it worked out now uh, for now very well. I think we're very well positioned now from a strategic positioning perspective, from a funding perspective as well, from a team perspective, from a setup perspective. So we solved all these crazy problems we had like seven months ago. We solved them all. And I'm so proud of the of the team. You can't imagine. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm also telling it to them uh, every week uh, how proud I am on, on this team effort. Yeah, and I think that goes a long way. Like if you can show to your people that you really appreciate them, everything they do, then they will pay you back 10 times over with uh, working hard to collectively improve the company, improve the team. So commend you as well for obviously having such great leadership and never giving up. As you say, you've had a great six months for a lot of hard work. And you mentioned about you know being lucky. I, I totally agree. But I always say the the harder you work, the luckier you get as well. And uh, yeah, you can provoke luck. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, a, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. What I'd really like to know, because I'm sure there is, I speak for many, when I ask this question, is the stuff that you've done. You've been under an incredible amount of stress, which uh, for for many can crumble under that kind of pressure. So when you face times of of adversity or stress. How do you, what do, what do you do to cope with that? Yeah, it's a very good question. I do sport. So that's my main like ventilation for that. And, and I'm coming back to this example of football. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm running, I did mountaineering, like crazy high mountains in the, in the Andes and Africa, Asia, and did ice climbing, like all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. But for me, it comes back a lot. And I did, I ran marathons and, you know, like I use running to, to think about problems and I really get out great solutions when I'm running, but this doesn't relieve you from stress because if you're running and you're still thinking, it doesn't fully relieve you. No. So it sounds stupid, but I have a recipe how I really can get out of stress very easily. That's like... Either on the one hand, you have a great night partying with your friends, with some friends you always wanted to hang out, uh, some great nights out. But this also, I had a Christmas party with my friends uh, when I was in in amazing stress before Christmas and it was not the best night in the end. And everyone felt that it's a tense and crazy situation. But where I really can like shut off my brain and have two hour full reset is when I play team sport. I mean, in my case, football. Because you are, <laughs> you are, you are under so so much stress that you to cope with the situations on the pitch. And I mean, this would count for handball, base basketball, and and so on and so forth. That you can't think about anything else than doing this sport. And I heard and heard other people telling me the same about so when they're bouldering, so when they are rock climbing and stuff like that. So I think it's this is something for me that's a, a great relief, like such a mental boost to where I have two hours where I'm not thinking about anything else. Yeah. And this is this is for me like was a great and that's why I started again like playing more football in January because I witnessed for me this is a great way to have two four hours, four hours, six four to six hours per week, depending on how often you play, of stress relief. Yeah. And in a really good way. I mean, you're doing sports and your brain, it gets a reset. So I, I love this. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with you there. I also do a lot of sports. I'm very much what 
people would call a, a fitness fanatic or a fitness freak, if mm. you like. And uh, it made me smile when you were talking there because one of the things I was going to mention was, for me, a stress reliever is bouldering and uh, rock climbing, and you already said it. So I think because it's such an adrenaline sport where you can obviously fall, even though you know you have the rope, it still feels momentarily very very scary so when you're in that moment and you're very high up where it's beyond safe you can't think about anything else yeah completely zone out you're very present which is the most important thing so i i have to 100 agree with that and i advocate anyone within my inner circle to do something whatever makes you happy to push yourself take yourself out the zone be better fitter whatever it may be mentally as well yeah i i, I I made a statement, I think it's a year ago or so, exhaust yourself not to be exhausted, yeah? So that's that's what I what I think is like, the more you exhaust yourself sometimes out of your like work life, yeah? It can be also sometimes, I mean, I have, I have three kids, it can be also sometimes with the family, with the kids, so to get a different perspective. But sport is definitely for me something where, where you're with you more or less and where you're away from your normal life, and can do a bit of a reset, yeah. That's, I, I yeah, fully agree. Absolutely. So I'm really keen to know about what your personal motivators are. So you've achieved so much. It's an incredible feat, what you've been doing. But what I want to know is, why do you do what you do? What motivates you to get out of bed every morning and continue to do such, you know, the things that you do? Yeah, I think it sounds a little bit like, a lot of people are saying this in their motivational speeches or like, but I, I think it's really like you need to find the purpose and also fun and you need to like what you're doing. Yeah. Other than that, it gets really difficult to motivate and push yourself uh, above the limits and the team. Yeah. And that, that's also, I mean, that's also how can you push a team above the limits? You need to give them purpose and meaning and like create a clear like vision. Yeah. That also what I mean. I always had my. I think my my goals and visions always changed a lot over the last ten years. My, I mean, at first I think I had a time where I said, okay, I want to be the CEO of a of a really big company at some point. People laughed at me, uh, and I like oh, in school I already said to my to my classmates, you know, like in fifteen years I will speak in front of thousands of people of my company, yeah? and um, and they laughed. Ha, 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 ha. But now, I mean, I was speaking in front of thousands of people the last half year, you know, like I was I was doing a roadshow for a token sale and I was speaking in front of thousands of clients and, and customers. I was speaking in front of my employees. So I think this goal is reached, but I'm not like, I'm, I, I don't have any more, I think, like these big, big goals that I say, I want to be the CEO of Apple or I don't know what, of a big, I just go with the flow. For me, it's like what drives me is, I want to have fun in what I'm doing. It should be purposeful. I'm doing it for sure as well, a little bit to like, for sure to have enough wealth or like to feed my family or the, maybe the, the next generation. But it's, that's definitely only one, uh, one minor part. It's really about like having a purpose, having fun, yeah, filling your life. I could not imagine, like when I reflected sometimes with my wife, uh, like what would I do if I would have a less stressful job we both came to the conclusion, or with a less like challenging job, we both came to the conclusion that I would be more unhappy with a, a boring corporate job with less challenges 
then with a, a job where I I'm probably a little bit overwhelmed sometimes, yeah, or like yeah. exhausted or too much challenged, yeah. So and that's like I mean I don't want to overwhelm me all the time. I also I, like my goal is probably in some years to to have enough freedom or have created enough like ventures successfully to have enough freedom to create even more and and educate influence and mentor the next generation of, of entrepreneurs and give them the chance to to create jobs and make the society a better place yeah i mean this sounds also like very much like uh, <laughs> too big but like yeah why not i mean like this there could be definitely it's definitely a goal probably a bit broad but i don't need to be have like this like goals of being in this position or doing doing especially that that comes i think that's life yeah so we all develop ourselves, hopefully, constantly. Yeah. Well, I think there's two takeaways there. The first one being that you have to suffer in order to achieve pleasure. And I feel like a lot of society today, nowadays, they seek pleasure first and they wonder why they're depressed or low mood because with pain comes pleasure. And you know that with sport, the, the harder it is and when you achieve it, you feel like you've actually done something. If it was easy the whole way, you would be low mood, depressed, like we were saying about being in a job that doesn't really drive you or push you out of your comfort zone. And the other takeaway I would say is that having a vision, you clearly had a vision from a young age. And secondly, you believed in yourself. The fact that you were saying, you know, I'm going to be a CEO talking in front of thousands of people from a young age and you believed in yourself and it came to light. So really nice takeaways. And I really enjoyed that story. Yeah. Yeah good to reflect sometimes on that i'm doing this not often enough definitely yeah yeah absolutely so last question then if you could give one bit of advice to someone that is perhaps thinking about all these ideas of what they could do in building a business or taking that leap of faith to push themselves but they just can't find the the belief to do so what would you say to them very good question you know like i mean as i said at the beginning i think this it requires a lot of inner motivation, intrinsic motivation, yeah, and belief in yourself. And that belief in yourself is built up over decades, I think, yeah. And it also is something, I mean, where you sometimes have to code yourself, you know, you have to like modify yourself a little bit. And like only if you throw yourself into challenges a lot of times and you master them, you can also have this needed self-confidence to some extent but if you don't have this or haven't built this up you can can and should for sure try to build this up but if you don't want to do this or can't you think you can't do this you can also look out for partners which are a great match for your capabilities you know so i think this can be as well something uh, actually where one can find a a, a good like storyline for him or herself in terms of like, okay, let me find the right partner to be able to do whatever I wanted to do from an entrepreneurial perspective, from a development perspective. Yeah, that's I think definitely also something I would um, finding the right the right partners on your journey. Also, if you if you are eager to go yourself on this on this journey of being an entrepreneur, or building businesses, or tackling the craziest challenges. You always, also always need the right partners, yeah, and and so find the the right partners, I think, and the right purpose for yourself, yeah. Yeah, 
Fantastic, Christian. Well, look, thank you so much for joining me on the Startup Stories podcast. What a story. You've uh, inspired me heavily as well. And I look forward to seeing what you continue to do with block trade from afar. Of course, we'll keep talking. So yeah, thank you so much. I think the uh, audience will love this one. And um, great to have you on. No, thank you. It was also a pretty unusual, unexpected interview. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was, I think, good, uh, a good reflection exercise as well for me. And uh, it's a little bit a uh, different talk other than all these talks, uh, podcasts I'm making now about the progress, about uh, like the company and the ventures and what's next and, and so on and so forth. So that was, I really enjoyed it, really. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you, Kristen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Startup Stories. I hope you enjoyed hearing from our guests and learning more about their journey in the startup world. I'll be back soon with another exciting episode featuring a new guest. So make sure to subscribe to Startup Stories so you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to follow me on social media for updates and additional content. And if you have any suggestions for guests or topics you'd like to hear about, please reach out to me. And as always, I appreciate your support and feedback. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.